Good morning. I invite each and every one of you to open a copy of the scriptures and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll begin reading in verse 18 down through 25. title of the message this morning will be called to follow in the steps of Christ's submission called to follow in the steps of Christ's submission first Peter chapter 2 start reading in verse 18 servants be subject to your masters with all fear not only to the good and gentle but also to the forward for this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God Endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if, when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if, when you do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who, his own self, bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise your high and holy name. We thank you for the mercy and grace and kindness that you have shown to each and every one of us. Thank you, Father, for filling us with your Holy Spirit that we might know you, that we might understand you, that we might love you, that we might be able to seek your face that we might be able to hear these blessed words, this blessed truth, that our hearts might rejoice in your goodness to us, and that we might believe in your word, that we might believe in Jesus Christ, your Son, and that we might have a hope that he has washed us whiter than snow with his blood, and that you have forgiven us of all of our sins, and you have given us a hope of eternal life. Thank you, Father, for giving us that blessed hope. And Father, as we look at your word again here this morning, Father, we want to rejoice in it. We want to praise you for it. We want to be convicted by it. We want to be strengthened by it. We want it to build us up in our faith, in our trust, in our dependence upon you. And we pray that you would use it to make us more like Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for preaching grace, and I pray for listening grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are called to follow in the steps of Christ's submission. Christ does not call you to submit in any way that he hasn't already submitted, that he hasn't already shown you the way that he hasn't already exemplified for you by the way that he lived his life. So what Peter is writing about, he has seen pattern for him by the Lord Jesus Christ in the years that he walked with him. 
And he knows that Jesus called him to this. So Peter's not writing to you or to these people he's writing to saying, you need to do this, but we apostles are above this. He says, Jesus Christ has called all of this to submit like Christ submitted to the Father. But Peter gets very practical now in talking about our submission. Not only are we to submit to God in everything in our life, but then he gets down to everyday life and says, you need to submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Then he gets down and he says, servants, you need to submit to your masters. Then he says, a wife needs to submit to the husband. And a husband needs to submit to the wife. A husband needs to submit to Christ. Then he says, all of you should submit one to another as unto the Lord. But we need this practical admonition. Every day that we wake up, we are called to submit to Jesus as king over our life. And then every ordinance of man that he has brought us under, we are to submit to him in those, underneath those ordinances, underneath those authorities. And we looked at that last time. We submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, for Jesus Christ's sake, to be like Jesus Christ, who submitted himself to every ordinance of man for his Father's sake, even being willing to give up his own life for the glory of the Lord. So how do you handle working for an ungodly master? How do, you, how do you respond when you suffer for what's doing right? How do you, what kind of attitude should you have when you have to work for those who treat you wrong, even though you are striving to do right? Peter is getting down to very practical things for you in your life. You're going to work for people who are ungodly. You're going to be a servant to those who don't know Christ, who are going to probably use you for their own benefit. What kind of attitude should you have? What kind of spirit should you have? Should you be in resistance to that? Should you be in rebellion to that? Or should you be like Christ and humble and meek and say that whatever the Lord has called me to, I will be faithful in that? What attitude should children have when they experience injustice in the home? How do we serve corrupt leaders? The answer is in the text. And the answer is so simple, but so hard. I mean, if it was truly just simple as me getting up here and saying this is what you should do, then none of us would struggle with it. But it is so hard. And believe me, when I tell you this, and you know this, it was hard for Jesus. Jesus was the Son of God. He, was the, he is the second person in the Trinity. And it was hard for him to go to the cross. It was hard for him to be ridiculed by man. It was hard for him to be treated with injustice when all he ever did was love and serve people. So this is not an easy way, but it is a simple way, and it is the way of Christ. The answer is simple, but so very hard. The answer is be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. How do you, how do you work for an ungodly boss? Be like Jesus. 
How do you submit to a hard man? Be like Jesus. How do you submit to a hard woman? Be like Jesus. What kind of attitude should you have toward a parent who shows you injustice? Be like Jesus. So the answer is simple, and it's here in the text. It says, you are called to this to follow in his steps, right? And so that's our calling. We are, that's what a Christian is. It is walking like Jesus walked. Following in his steps. So the proposition this morning is straight out of the text. It's simple. You are called to follow in the footsteps of Christ in the way that you submit and the way that you respond to suffering. You are called to follow in the footsteps of Christ in the way that you submit and respond to suffering for the glory of God, for his glory, for his glory. So first, we'll look at that you will submit to God in his ordained authority in your life for fear of God and a good conscience toward God. Secondly, we'll look at that you will submit to God-ordained suffering in your life because you love your Heavenly Father and you want to please him. And then lastly... You will submit to God-ordained authority and God-ordained suffering in your life because you are called to and want to follow Jesus' example. That's what it comes down to. Why are you going to submit in all these, in all these areas of life that Peter is, is being inspired through the Holy Spirit to, to, to speak to you? Why are you going to do it? Children, why are you going to be submissive to your parents? Wife, why are you going to be submissive to your husband? Husbands, why are you going to be submissive to your wife? Why are you going to be submissive under uh, uh, corrupt leadership or an ungodly boss? Why? Because you are called to do it and you want to do it. To be like your master, the Lord Jesus Christ. So first, let's consider how you will submit to God-ordained authority in your life for fear of God and to have a good conscience toward God. That's what it says here in verse... 18, as he is, is admonishing servants here. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. With all fear. Not only to the good and gentle. Wish you wouldn't have put this right. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward, to the corrupt, to the crooked. Submit. To an ungodly leader? Submit to an ungodly master, to a corrupt master. Let me just say first off the bat, this isn't the, this isn't the point of the passage, but it's, it, it must be said. Because Peter is addressing servants, because he's addressing slavery, it doesn't mean that God condones slavery. It means that he knows that slavery, he knows that, that servitude is always going to be around. So how do believers, how do Christians live in this sphere? And so I think it gives a high regard for those who are servants, for those who are slaves, because the Holy Spirit is addressing them. They were considered less in their culture. They were considered below even talking to. But here, through the Holy Spirit, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, he is including them in his letter, servants. Be subject to your masters. How do we deal with serving 
other people? How do we deal with being a servant in whatever sphere that God has called us to be a servant? He says, do it with all fear. Do it with all reverence. Do it with all respect. And do it with all honor. First to God, you fear God and want to keep his commandments. We understand, as he said before, that all authority that we've been placed under is that authority is under God. So the way that we submit to all authority in our life is how we are submitting to God as our ultimate master and ultimate ruler. And so as we have fear and reverence and awe and respect and honor God as our father and as our master, so those that he has ordained to be have authority over us in our life, we also are to respect, to reverence, and to have honor for, even if they are froward, even if they are corrupt, even if they do abuse us or use us for their own benefit, we are to have reverence for their position. And so that's when it becomes hard because no one likes to submit to someone who is unkind to them. No one likes to submit to one that is using them. No one likes to submit to someone who has crooked and perverse ways. That is really difficult to do. That is, that is against your nature. But if we want to follow in the footsteps of Christ, all we've got to do is look at his life. Was, were the leaders kind to him? Were the leaders perverse and crooked? Were the, were the religious leaders accepting of him? Did they always treat him with kindness? No, the exact opposite. They hated him. They tried to kill him. They tried to have him stoned. And eventually, they had him put to death by the hands of the Romans. So we are called to submit to God-ordained authority in our life for fear of God, ultimately, but also that fear of God, that godly fear that we're to have, is to help us to have a healthy fear for those that he has placed us under. And also, he says, not only that, not only should you submit yourself with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. He says, for this is thankworthy, that word means grace, for this is gracious, this is kind, for this is acceptable if a man or a woman for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. So it is a matter of our respect for God, number one, and number two, it's a matter of conscience toward God so that we can have a clean conscience toward him. It's again recognizing that it's his authority. We're not just looking at the person and saying, well, look at this and this and this and all their faults. No, you've got to go above that and beyond that. And for your conscience to be clear and your conscience to be clean, you've got to recognize God's ultimate sovereign hand over them in your life. He's using them to sanctify you. He's using them to, to draw out your faith and trust in Him. He's using them to test you. Look beyond them and look up to your Father in heaven and so that you may have a good conscience toward him and you will do that if you follow in the steps of Christ because Jesus Christ told us how difficult it was to go to the cross in the garden of Gethsemane it said that he was sweating as it were great drops of blood 
that his soul was exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. And he prayed to the Father and said, If at all possible, let this cup pass from me. This cup of suffering. This cup of shame. This cup of ridicule. But he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He submitted to the authorities that put him to death because he wanted to do the will of his heavenly father. So that's the encouragement for you this morning. Are you doing this? Are you doing this? Here's some other scriptures that would encourage you in the same thing. Titus in chapter 2. Titus in chapter 2 and verse 9 Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Think about the witness that you can have. Think about the testimony that you have when you in Love for your Father and love for God and love for Jesus Christ. Submit to your masters with all fidelity. It says that they may see that and that they may adorn the doctrine of God. You know, when people see you in this, in this way, in the way that you submit, it leads to praising God. It leads to adorning God because they know that's not something that you would do in and of yourself. That's not something that they normally see in other people. And so we can cause others to glorify our Father in heaven. In 1 Timothy, in chapter 6, in verse 1 and 2, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine Be not blasphemed. You see, it does matter how we submit. It does matter the attitude that we have. Even when they persecute us, even when they treat us wrongly for doing right, it matters how we respond. It matters what we say. That the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed, and that they they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, Because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. Are you submitting to God-ordained authority in your life because you have reverence for God and because you want to have a good conscience toward God? If you haven't been, repent. Turn from that ungodly attitude. Repent from that rebellion. Fall on your knees, fall on your face, and ask God to help you change your attitude. Bow the knee to the Lordship of Christ and those that he is using over you. What is the Spirit teaching you today? What is he convicting you of today in your own life as you look at this? Be faithful. Be faithful to what he is calling you to So number one, you will submit to God-ordained authority in your life for fear of God and a good conscience toward God. Secondly, let's look at how you will submit to God-ordained suffering in your life 
Because you love your heavenly father and want to please him. It's not because you like suffering or because suffering is pleasant. It's not so that, so that through it somehow that you can receive praise and people can see how great that you are because of how, how good of an attitude you had through suffering. None of that. It's because you love your heavenly father and you know that everything he allows is because he loves you. And because he's molding and shaping you into the image of his dearly beloved son. And so he's saying this morning that the providence of God, his hand over the things that he allows in our life, whether it's sickness, whether it's disease, whether it's cancer, whether it's loss of a loved one or separation, whether it's financial collapse, whatever it is, whatever he allows, as we sang, it said because He's trying to consume the dross off of us, number one. And secondly, he's refining the gold, right? So he's getting, he's getting rid of the sin in our heart. He's getting rid of the sin in our life. He's trying to teach us. You don't need that. And then secondly, I want the light of Christ to shine forth in your life. And so we willingly and gladly submit to God-ordained suffering because it refines us. It molds and shapes us. And it's our calling. It's our heavenly vocation to suffer for Christ. This is one of the major themes, if not the main theme, of 1 Peter. is how do Christians respond to suffering, to persecution. And he already, he already gave a little bit of advice, a little bit of teaching in the first chapter. We saw this. Let's go back to 1 Peter in chapter 1 real quick, and then we'll go back to our text. 1 Peter 1. Remember, he reminds them what God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit has done in them, that this world is not their home. They're strangers and pilgrims, but they're chosen of God, and they've been set apart for a special purpose. And not only that, you have an eternal home. This world is only temporary. He's he's destined you for something greater than this life. But he says this, you can rejoice... In all these things that God has done for you and what awaits you, you can rejoice even in the midst of trial and suffering. Where you greatly rejoice, verse 6, now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, manifold diverse trials. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, and whom though you now see him not, not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. How can this be? How can we have joy even in the midst of suffering and of pain? Because we know what he's doing. We know what he has done. We know where we're going. And we know what he's doing. He's just refining us. Sometimes we're stubborn and hard-headed and stiff-necked like Israel of old. He sent message after message after message. They would repent, but then they would rebel again. And God would continue to send them message after message after message. He had to discipline when they didn't listen. But his love never failed. His love never stopped. Everything he did was because he loved them. 
Because He had chosen them. Because He had covenanted to always be their God. And to always be their Father. Even when they were not faithful children. So we can accept suffering at the hand of a loving Father. Because we want to please Him. We want to please Him. So back in our text. You know, this is praiseworthy. This is acceptable to God. You want to know how to please God? He says you do it in this way. When you're treated wrongfully for doing right and you still praise God, you still have a good attitude and you still submit, he says this is acceptable to God because you're being just like Jesus Christ. A perfect man who never sinned. A perfect man who always used his tongue right, who always used his mind right, and always did everything perfectly. He was treated wrongfully, unjustly. People went over and above to, 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 to treat him harshly. Even though he had done nothing wrong. This is... Acceptable if a man or woman for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it when ye be buffeted for your own faults and ye take it patiently? I mean, if you do something wrong and you suffer the consequences for it, if you endure that, I mean, that's what you should do. You're suffering for doing wrong. We don't need a pat on the back for enduring through suffering for our own faults and failings. But... He says, if when you do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. So how do you do with that? How are you doing with that? When you're doing everything right, when you're trying to serve God, you're trying to serve other people, you're trying to do what's best. But yet people turn it around, people twist it, and people use it against you. People say things that aren't true about you. They talk behind you about their back or they form groups behind, behind your back and they try to form a coup against you. How do you respond to that? Do you do the same thing in return? Do you talk badly about them? He goes on to say that that's not your calling because Jesus Christ, who was reviled against, it says he didn't revile when he was treated harshly. He didn't treat people harshly back. He accepted it. He took it in. How much do you love your father? How much are you willing to suffer for him? Brady's been teaching us from the Sermon on the Mount. And it's one of the first things that Jesus taught. He said, blessed are you when people persecute you. Blessed are you when people treat you falsely for my sake. Why can you be happy in that? He says, because they've done the same thing to me. They will do the same thing to me. So it means that you are one of mine. And it means that you have a purpose that's greater than the purpose of the unbelieving world. A spirit rests on you. A light dwells within you. And you're to let that shine. And sometimes it can only shine through the darkness. Through pain. Through suffering. Through trial. Sometimes the light only shines the brightest through those things. So blessed are those who persecute you, who mistreat you, who say all manner of evil against you falsely for his sake. 
For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. So persecute they will persecute me. But what did he say? But rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Your Father which is in heaven. Your Savior which is in heaven. They are happy with you when you submit to suffering. As Christ did. And Peter will go on to talk a lot about this in the coming verses. Just highlight a few to look at as we're on this topic. Verse 17 of chapter 3. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For it is better. Let's read it again because this don't sink in. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for doing what's right than doing what's wrong. That's hard to accept. For Christ also hath suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And then again, in chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, have joy, be glad, be happy in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. You have an opportunity to glorify Christ in the way that you respond to being, to be, to being treated unjustly with injustice. What we're seeing in our culture is that they want to respond with violence. They want to respond in turn when they are shown injustice. They want justice to be done to those that have shown injustice. This is not the spirit of Christ. We want to glorify God. We want to glorify our Father. We want to submit to the suffering. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. If, you're, if you suffer because you're a Christian and you're trying to follow Christ and be like Christ, Peter says, be happy if you suffer reproach for this. Because you're doing what's right. You're trying to be like him, and he's pleased with this. As Dennis said this morning, vengeance is God's. He will repay. We shouldn't try to take it upon ourselves. So how are you doing with this? How is this seen in your life? At school, at home, at work? How are you doing with submitting to God-ordained suffering? Are you having joy? Are you rejoicing? It's not that, oh, I'm happy I'm suffering. It's, I'm happy I'm suffering for Christ because I'm having an opportunity to glorify him, to be like him, 
He's making me more like him. He's refining me as gold is refined in the fire. Secondly, uh, that was secondly. Thirdly and lastly, you will submit to God-ordained authority and God-ordained suffering in your life because you are called and want to follow Jesus' example. That's what he goes on to say. It's this beautiful passage here. I wish we had time to unpack every verse. It says four, verse 21. Okay? So why is that there? Four. Us submitting to our masters with fear and having a good conscience toward God. Taking it patiently when we suffer for what's doing right. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. See, what it means to be a Christian is not just that you give assent to who Christ is and what he did. It's not just so that you have been given eternal life and so that you have an eternal home. Being a Christian means that you take on the character of Jesus Christ. And part of that character is suffering. Part of that, those attributes is suffering. You have been called to serve him. You have been called to submit to him. You have been called to love others. You have been called to submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. But you've been called to suffer for his namesake. You are called to suffer for being a Christian. Whatever that looks like in your life. There are greater and lesser degrees of suffering. But we all, if we're Christians, should be experiencing some kind of suffering for Christ. Either by the way that we're talking or by the way that we're walking. By the way that we're working, by the way we, we act at school, there is going to be some type of suffering that you experience. It might even be in the home that if a parent is trying to be like Christ in the way that they parent, by showing loving discipline to their child, there might be some friction there. There might be some suffering there. And we have to be willing. It is our calling to want to follow the example of Christ. What does that mean? To follow his example. What was the example of Christ? Well, probably no passage in the scripture would better represent the example of submission to suffering than Isaiah chapter 53. Talking about Jesus Christ. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Do you ever get just tired of having to be a Christian? Tired of always saying the right thing? Tired of always thinking the right thing? Tired of always being misunderstood? He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. 
He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. And then this beautiful promise. When you shall make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. That is the example of, That you have been called to follow. And if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ. You want to do that. You desire to do that. Even though it's painful. Even though it's hard. Even though you do get tired of it. From time to time. Yet you pray and say Lord help me. Give me the strength. Give me energy. Give me joy. Give me peace, even in the midst of suffering and of trials and of persecution, so that I can be like Jesus Christ. Oh, the example of Jesus Christ. What does he say? He suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who did no sin? So example first is that we should be striving not to sin in our life. Now we know that we will sin. But we have an advocate with Jesus Christ, the righteous. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. We should be striving not to sin. We should be striving not to have deceit and hypocrisy in our mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. That's so hard. Because our nature is that when we're hit, we're going to hit back. When we're given an insult, we're going to get an insult back. When we're mistreated, we want other people to be mistreated. So this is so contrary to our nature. But if we've been given the new nature, if we've been given the divine nature, if we've been given the nature of Christ, then we're going to pray, Lord, help me to be like Christ in the way that I respond when I'm going through suffering. And we're going to be like Christ who committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who are you committing yourself to? Who are you committing this suffering to? Who are you committing this this persecution to? You're submitting it to the judge of all the universe and say, you know what's right. You know my heart. You know the evil inside man. You know what's going on. And I'm submitting to your way, your plan. You shall judge righteously. 
You're going to pray as Jesus did. Not my will be done, but your will be done. And then he lived a selfless life. He laid down his own life. So that's what you're going to do. You're actually going to lay down your pride. You're going to lay down everything that you think should happen. You're going to lay it down and you're going to take up the mantle of Christ. And you're going to lay your life down for other people. Even people who don't deserve it. Even people who who are unworthy. Even for people who are ungodly. Jesus Christ died for you when you were a sinner. He died for you when you were ungodly. He died for you when you were hating him despising him, spitting upon him, and beating him with your sins. He loved you then. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. He took upon your sins. One who was perfect. But God was just to do this. Because he was the perfect sacrifice. He is the only one who could take this. He is the only one who could absolve his wrath. And he is the only one who can make a perfect substitution for you. That we being dead to sins now, because of what Jesus Christ has done, because of his selfless act, now we're dead to sins. We're dead to them. We're dying to self. We're dying to sin. And we should live unto righteousness. You should do what's right all the time. You're asking, what should I do? Do what's right. How should I respond to this? Do what's right. Do what Jesus would do. By whose stripes ye were healed. The very pain, the very suffering that Christ experienced. What we would consider injustice was the very thing that led to justice being served was the very thing that led to your salvation. We are healed by the stripes that were placed on the back of Christ. The very thing that caused him pain and suffering is what brought you healing and joy and peace. For ye were like sheep going astray, as it said in Isaiah 53. Ye were like sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. This is a beautiful way to end this. Calling to submission to God-ordained authority and God-ordained suffering in your life. Reminding you that Jesus Christ is the shepherd of your soul. He is the one who cares for you as a shepherd cares for his sheep. He is the one who is guarding you as a shepherd guards for his sheep. He is the one who is watching out for the wolves among the flock because he's your shepherd. And he is the bishop of your soul, which means an overseer, one who watches, one who inspects. And if he sees anything that's not right, he points it out. Jesus Christ is the shepherd and bishop of of your soul. He cares for you. He cares for your soul. If he allows suffering, if he allows pain, it's because he loves you and he cares for you. And because you have been called to follow his example, to follow in his steps. So you are called to follow in the footsteps of Christ in the way that you submit, in the way that you respond to suffering for the glory of God. Consider what Jesus did. For you, Are you willing to do the same for him? Look to Jesus for help as he looked to the Father and he prayed in the garden. 
Help me. Pattern your life after the pattern of Christ. See how he served. See how he submitted. See how he loved. See how he willingly gave himself. Even through suffering. Submit, surrender, and serve. Submit, surrender, and serve. As we close, I want us to sing the 90 and 9. Because what it speaks of is it speaks of that parable that Jesus told. That there were a hundred sheep in the fold and one of them went astray. And And it tells us that the faithful shepherd and the loving shepherd went after the one who went astray and brought him back into the fold. And that's each and every one of us. We are that sheep that has gone astray. But Jesus Christ, the shepherd and bishop of our souls, has gone after you and then gone after me, and he has returned us to him once again. And I think he constantly does that. As we, the sheep, try to go outside of the, the flock, he just says no. And he, he rescues us, and he brings us back into the fold. Praise be to his glorious name.